1: Welcome to Bread for the People. I'm Jim Serpico. Wow. We have a very special guest today. Um, She makes me feel a little lazy. I don't know. Uh, (laughs) I feel like I do a lot of different things, for better or for worse. I bake bread professionally. I, I work in television and film and manage some comedians. That pales in comparison to my next guest. You may have seen her as a contestant on American Idol. Besides singing, she plays the piano, the violin, the guitar, and who knows what else. I mean, I can only imagine. Uh, She's a baker, thus she's a guest on Bread for the People. She's also an entrepreneur, which I'm very interested in. She is one of the founders of one of the largest essential oil companies in the world. Please welcome Olivia Ty to Bread for the People. Olivia. <laughs>
0: Hi. Wow. What an intro. I don't know if I can live up to the hype.
1: You can't live up. <laughs> I'm sure you can. I'm sure you can. How's your day going?
0: I'm doing well. I just baked up some croissants. They're they're waiting for me as I'm as I'm talking here with you.
1: All right. Let's go right into croissants because I've baked <laughs> croissants before, but I would say it's uh, i haven't baked them a lot it's pretty labor intensive isn't it my name's jim serpico and this should i start with my name or should i start with this is bread for the people do you like it like this welcome to bread or do you like it like this welcome ready welcome to bread for the people Mine. Fuck. J- is there a script
0: I'm doing well. I just baked up some croissants. They're they're waiting for me as I'm as I'm talking here with you. All right, let's
1: go right into croissants because I've baked <laughs> croissants before, but I would say it's uh, I haven't baked them a lot. It's pretty labor intensive, isn't it?
0: Mhm. Mhm.
1: So have, did you laminate them? Did you <laughs> do you have special butter? But-
0: I, I do like to use European butter for croissants. Um, but I, I, don't make them often either. So, so this time I, I took a little shortcut, but, <laughs> but I usually like to, <laughs> like to butter them up pretty well. Croissants, it's all about the butter, you know?
1: I hear you. <laughs> um, now I, I do have been following you on Instagram for many years and, um, you know you, you the thing about your instagram account that's interesting is you know and I'm, I'm not even joking about the introduction you do all these things and you kind of share your life on on the account and i have noticed all the sourdough baking <laughs> now is it is is it simply like therapeutic like w- tell us about your your inspiration for starting to bake things
0: Okay, so I was, uh, I, I've always cooked my entire life. So I'm really more of a, a cooker, uh, according to my niece, because she was just learning that you could put ER after a verb, and it would make a person. So she right, right, right. she always called me the cooker, Auntie Olivia the cooker. Uh, and that, there's reason for that, because in my family, there isn't really much baking going on, uh, coming from, you know, a traditional Chinese household. If there's any kind of bread, it's usually steamed, so I don't know if you've seen it before, but the type of bread that um, Asian people usually make is like at dim sum, and it's usually steamed. It only went baked, yeah. uh, probably in the most recent years, once you know we started adapting to like Western culture. But typically, it's steamed, and the bread is pale white, and <laughs> there's like no crust or no there's no right. egg wash or anything, and so. That's really the only kind of bread that I knew how to do was like make or it was just steaming it. And so once I I learned that I could make these steamed buns, um, which is like tasiu bao. I don't know. Have you, have you had those before? Yeah.
1: Well, I've had I know what a bao bun is, so I'm assuming that's the short term for what you just said, which I can't say. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, so a, a tasu bao is basically from um, this thing called dim sum, so from dim sum, and you have this pale white bun, and inside there's uh, barbecue pork. So exactly. I really wanted to make these tasu bao buns from scratch, which is something that my family never did, so I had to look it up, and I learned how to do it from YouTube. So my starter actually began as a tasu bao starter.
1: Really? Yes. So you use sourdough starter for that, not... not- um active or instant yeast
0: exactly so that is a sourdough starter that all the dim sum restaurants that you go to if they're making their dim sum from scratch it's gonna be a sourdough starter so no kidding. Uh, yeah a lot of them have had like 100 year old starters because dim sum's really old and so they they have these super old starters that that they keep on using over and over again right so that is what's in the tashi bao. So when I learned how to make that from scratch, I started going, okay, well, I have all this starter left, what am I going to do with it? So yeah. yeah, and then I learned that if you do this long fermentation, this bulk fermenting on sourdough, it's really good for you.
1: Oh yeah. Let me you know I got a tasu bao story from last night. <laughs> My son placed the order for us from our local ramen shop and unpack the bag, and we all have ramen soups in the cardboard containers, and he has one bao bun with short ribs in it. Just one. He didn't get me one. He didn't get anyone else one. And I love those, man. Mm-hmm. I love them.
0: They're they so taste good. great.
1: They're and so the flavoring good. With the meat. But I have to watch this kid just eat his one bun. I wanted to throw my soup on him. But anyway, I digress. <laughs> that's so,
0: so that's funny. how you,
1: you had leftover starter. And yep. you get into baking sourdough. And now, at what point is this in your lifetime?
0: I mean, this is I mean, this is definitely a pandemic project for sure.
1: Okay. Because... So okay. Yeah. Three <laughs> years ago. Got
0: it. Yeah. And before that, I really would classify myself as a pretty bad baker. I was not good at baking. And once I met my husband and found out that he had a, a cake obsession... So then I was making a bunch of cakes because I was trying to trap him. So I did with all the cakes. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> so I just made all these cakes and then, and then he, he had to, he had to propose. I just, just, there was a whole process. So he, uh, yeah, that's actually how I got decent at baking. I wouldn't say I'm a great baker. I'm just like i a, a, I'm a home baker, <laughs> but like a below average one. Um, but once I got into sourdough, it was just another ball game that's just, there's precision, there's timing, there's the, the, the cuts, the <laughs> everything, yeah. right? So there's all these different kinds of sourdough too. And I took a sourdough class on Zoom and then-
1: Oh, nice. Yeah, Do you remember I, who taught it?
0: Yeah. It was actually Martha from Abigail's Oven. Okay. Yeah, That's so, awesome. It was really, really an interesting experience. I wish I was there in person, but I, I took it yeah. through, from Zoom and took all the notes and she even went through the history and, and the health benefits of, of sourdough and then I was sold. And I was like, okay, well, I guess I'm never eating regular bread again. <laughs>
1: yeah. There are great resources online, right? I learned it online as well. Yeah. Um, I, I do, I started at the pandemic, but I do long to go in person and spend some time with some professionals and see their, their workflow. I had to create my workflow by figuring it out. And I, I don't know, have any idea if I'm doing it as efficiently as I can, but, uh, <laughs> I, I think in my slow time, cause it gets cold here in New York in January and I'll probably shut my food truck down and not have any markets. I may go do something, whether it's a pizza school or sourdough school, I'm going to go do something.
0: Ooh, that's really exciting. I'm going to be in New York, so we might run Are into you? each other. Yep. Yep.
1: What for the winter?
0: exactly the perfect time to be there. I'm actually going to be there. It is there. a nice time. It is. It is nice. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to have to pack my parkas. Um, yeah. yeah. So this Thursday I start school at Columbia. So I'm going to be going to Columbia business school and I'm going to be flying in twice a month. <laughs> so
1: You don't stop. Okay. So, <laughs> don't. Well, so here's what I've learned about you. You, you left high school. Mm hmm. At either 13 or 15 is that right that's right which one was it
0: <laughs> so I started college when I was 13 left high school or you can say dropped out of high school when I was 14 and then I got my high school diploma equivalent when I was 15
1: and then you kind of just went to any average school is that <laughs> you know <laughs>
0: <laughs> she Correct.
1: went to one of the greatest schools in the country, UC Berkeley. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we went to look at that campus. What an amazing place.
0: It, it is. It is. You're, you're, uh, yeah, I, I think my husband and your son hung out at, at SC. So they're, that's, that's where he goes, right?
1: He graduated SC. Awesome. Um, I'll, I'll be honest. I'm not sure I knew that connection.
0: Oh, that's how I found you.
1: That's crazy. (laughs) I have to tell my son, my son graduated a little over a year ago, uh, from, from university of Southern California. And he's out there, uh, trying to find his way in the entertainment field.
0: Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Look at him.
1: Yep. He's, uh, I guess year two of his professional life. He just moved closer to the beach and, uh, we'll see what happens.
0: I love that. We've got to get connected with him again.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's so cool. Uh, and your your husband is a filmmaker or a
0: video producer or no? No, he uh, graduated from Marshall as well, and he uh, we we own real estate. that's what we that's our kind of our bread and butter. Um, and then I do marketing. I have my marketing agency, and we do we do real estate and marketing and construction, I guess
1: <laughs> in between loaves.
0: Yes, between the loaves, for sure.
1: So how do you graduate or start to leave high school that early? And why does someone make a decision like that?
0: So I've I mean, every time I tell this story, I think it's hard to believe because I mean, I do. I do kind of uh, exude model minority uh, Asian, stereotypical Asian girl, like I play the piano, I play the violin, I, I went to Berkeley, I'm going to Columbia, all these things, right? And I think when I tell this story, it doesn't make any sense, because I do come from a pretty broken home. So um, I grew up with, uh, I didn't have a bed until I was like 12. So...
1: Okay, where was this?
0: Uh, in San Gabriel. So I grew up in, in California, the LA area. Okay. Yeah.
1: Okay, cuz you mentioned your parents, you're first generation American, correct?
0: I would be second, I guess since I was born here. So my parents are not born here and my siblings weren't born here. I'm the only one in my family that was born here, yeah.
1: Right. They lived in Vietnam? Yes. Right. So you yeah. Chinese uh living in Vietnam. Mhm. You come here and you live in a broken home? Yes. And was it giving you was it causing anxiety? Was it giving you some issues with making friends in school? Like, so how does that lead up to saying I'm, I'm getting out of high school?
0: <laughs> so i yeah i grew up with uh, sleeping on the floor until i was like 12 and then um it was because it was like a revolving door of refugees so there was constant yelling fighting um and then also refugees coming in because my my family also are they're really good people they just like yelling at each other so <laughs> they
1: i know people like that There's <laughs> right? a lot of italians like that
0: right it's so similar so um yeah. they, they basically are, are, they're great people. So they are bringing in, they're trying to bring all the family over from Vietnam. And each of these families are living in this spare bedroom or two of the spare bedrooms. They're not spare, they're just bedrooms for refugees that were, <laughs> we were housing for years and years and years. Um, and then when my dad, I think brought enough people over, he stopped um, you know, offering that room and I, I finally got a bed. So <laughs> that's when that happened. And then shortly after, um, my, my father got into some legal trouble. So, um, what it was, I was 10 years old the first time it happened. And then the second time it happened, I was 15. Yeah. So that's when I I left high school, 14, 15.
1: Yeah. Wow. Now at this young age, what people listening to this need to understand is like, I'm not just saying it, you're a professional Singer, you you've won the Thai Idol at a pretty young age. Um, were you a singer like f- as long as you could remember, as a young child?
0: I think I was a closet singer um, when I was really young. You know, when you're young and you just have no inhibition, you're just you're just going, you're just brave. That uh, I was still singing until I uh, started getting embarrassed. And, and insecure and then I was a closet singer for a few years until you know high school but I, I stayed in high school long enough to have a, a few solos in a few plays and then and then I left <laughs> and I just continued on with the performing outside of high school um, sing for the clippers the sparks um, same for a, a lot of different professional sports games and then went on so- to compete yeah. I know
1: you sang the national anthem um were you 12 no no were
0: you older, I older? was 17
1: were yeah. you scared shit <laughs> uh,
0: I was pretty I was pretty scared scared shitless yeah but I, it was really interesting because I don't know if you also saw that I, I was emancipated so um, the day that I sang for the Clippers for the first time I just got emancipated that morning. And then oh I remember going into court, getting my official emancipation documents, and then changing to go to the Clippers game. <laughs> and that night, I sang the national anthem for the Clippers.
1: Yeah. Now you're still going to Berkeley at this time, right?
0: So, <laughs> I, shortly after is when I transferred to UCLA first.
1: Ooh. Yeah. A <laughs> Bruin. yep got it yeah got it all right i'm trying to figure all this out and then where does the thai idol come in
0: so it's actually taiwan idol um taiwan idol okay. it was 2009 and um that came so so i went to ucla first and then my youtube I guess career, (laughs) my YouTube career, back then we, it was a, it was a joke to call it a career. Now it's totally a career, but my YouTube, my YouTube side hustle took off and I was getting like millions of views on my covers and getting flown out to all these different performances. And I'm like going to UCLA and performing every, other weekend or every weekend and living out of a suitcase and also sharing a living room with five people. It was a very interesting experience. And so it was hard. And I, I, that's when I decided to drop out of UCLA. And so after that, I was just kind of like, okay, if I'm going to drop out of school, I better make it worth it. So yeah, that's when I started competing and I was competing. I started competing when I was 19. Um, and that was because there were just a bunch of local singing competitions here in the SGV, which is San Gabriel Valley outside of LA is a bunch of Asian people. And I'm like seeing all these posters like, Hey, there's a singing competition. If you win, you're going to win like a thousand dollars. And I was like, all right, I need to pay rent. So I'm <laughs> like, okay, I don't know if I can win, but I'll at least try. So I go and start competing to pay rent, and when I went into Taiwan Idol, I mean, at that time, I could only read certain words. So I could literally read enough Chinese to know that it was a singing competition, what time was the audition, and what date and the address. So
1: So that was on the west coast of the U.S., the, yes. Uh, the audition.
0: Yes, it's because the, the station is here in L.A., so oh, no kidding. Yeah. So the station is here in LA and they broadcast internationally. So anywhere where they speak Mandarin, they're going to watch ETTV. So
1: so do I, they actually <laughs> record the competition in LA? Yep. Oh my yep. God.
0: Yeah. But it wow. looks like it was in Taiwan because everything's in, um, everything is in, in Mandarin. <laughs> so uh,
1: and forgive this might be a stupid question, but what's the makeup of the audience or do they not show the audience? Like, how do they do that part?
0: It's all Chinese people. So, uh, Wow. Yeah. Yeah. The community here is huge. So everybody in the audience speaks Mandarin. Everybody competing speaks Mandarin. And and so (laughs) we're all just in this competition. But um, when I showed up for the audition, I had no idea that it was a TV show.
1: Wow. That's it. That's crazy. (laughs) So obviously that audition goes well and it's only one audition?
0: Um, No. So it's... That that one round so it's a lot different from American Idol. So you go through the rounds and then I I make it through to the next round, and then there's just a bunch of rounds in this TV show because it's a whole series. So I actually got voted off for one of the rounds and then voted back on because I had fans from YouTube that helped me <laughs> come back to life. But um, and that's how I won. Yeah.
1: And then how soon after that do you get discovered by american idol is it the kind of thing where you have to wait on the line or they have like they know who's who a little bit and since you won that competition they they went after you
0: so i think they actually found me because of my instagram um Yeah. So, I mean, I feel like in the U S because we are very focused on our own media and what's going on in our own country and then other countries focus on our media, but we don't really look at other countries media, right? That as much. Mm-hmm. So I don't think they knew too much about the whole Taiwan idol thing. They just kind of found a cover on Instagram and they were like, Hey, do you want to audition? So, um, I, I did get to that point like when I when I finally got onto the show because I auditioned for them like 10 years in a row and never got through. Uh, and so I just kept on auditioning for American Idol like a crazy person. Uh, I just didn't give up. And then when I finally got on the show, <laughs> it was when I just finished writing like 200 songs. I didn't remember any covers. And oh, <laughs> so I just went in there and I, I, I did... I had to memorize, I think it was like a, uh, a Lauryn Hill cover. The Fuji. Fuge- what is it? The Fugees or something? The Fugees. Yeah. What did they sing?
1: Shrumming uh, my pain
0: with my big fi- finger Yeah.
1: She does that song. Uh,
0: okay. Yeah. So that one, I don't know about copyright stuff on your podcast. So that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> and then I, I barely knew it. I was singing it for a friend's birthday and, and then I, I just sang that song because I didn't know any other covers at the time. And then they That's like, That's actually okay. a
1: cover. She was of covering a cover. someone else. Yes. Yeah.
0: Of uh, yeah. Roberta. Roberta.
1: Roberta Flack, probably.
0: Roberta Flack, yeah. So then yeah. <laughs> I sang that song with the guitar. And then they're like, sing another one. And then I was like, Oh my gosh, I don't know what I what to do. And then I remember that I sang No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. A another cover of uh, Bruno Mars. So I did a Bruno Mars cover with, with a can. It was like the cup song was really in at that time. So you would like do a cl- cup thing. So I did a cup thing, but with a Bruno Mars song. And then that's how I got in <laughs> to the show. Wow. Yeah.
1: So who else was around? I've watched every i'm a big american idol fan actually
0: yeah me too Uh, so who
1: was who was who were the judges that season
0: that season it was harry connick jr uh keith urban and jennifer lopez
1: wow yeah that's awesome (laughs) Um, was it a good experience being involved with that show
0: i thought it was really fun i learned so much i i definitely got uh, it was a very different experience because you know, you're watching the show and as an audience member, you're thinking, well, this is a is a singing competition, right? But I would say right. that it was like 99%. I like to use the 80-20 rule, but this in this case, it was like 99% reality show and 1% singing competition. So that was really interesting. I made some really cool friends. And I mean, it's hard to get to, you know, like the top 100 of any season. Oh so it's, oh. you know, we're all just trying to hang on by a thread.
1: <laughs> yeah. I'm just amazed by the talent on those shows, uh, yeah. especially American Idol. Like, mm-hmm. and some of these people haven't had any training. It's just like, there's something that was given to them. I don't know how they do it. Yeah. Did you have much training? I mean, you play a lot of instruments. You sing, <laughs> um, how, how, how do you do that?
0: So, um, when I went on American Idol, I was already teaching voice for a few years. Um, I I didn't really start training my voice until maybe late teens and then shortly after I was certified to teach voice and then I just taught voice for for a little bit. But I mean, teaching voice is really just more about teaching our students how to do, how to sing properly. And uh, I I did kind of focus on artistry a little bit, but artistry is really interesting because you can't really I don't know can you really teach artistry I, I guess you can yeah you you can i don't know um,
1: i don't know either um yeah i think it's a mental thing mm-hmm. uh and it also might come with age and i mean i could tell you just as a human being i'm very different at this age than i was 30 years ago and i'm more comfortable i could be on camera now pretty easily i don't think i could have done it as a young person um mm. so it's interesting um, but what about the instruments? Violin, <laughs> like th- you're playing violin by ear or you're taught violin?
0: Yeah. So I played classical violin from um, public school. Like they offered a, a music program and I I begged my parents if I could participate in the free music program, all they would have to do is front is the money to rent the violin. So I was renting violins or my parents were, were renting it for me for um, like three years maybe, we rented violins, and then um, when they realized that I was playing on this rented violin, and I was I was decent, I was getting um, I was like there was like these little competitions in school, and I was winning those too. So they were like, okay, maybe she has some kind of skills, and I was like, I don't know, I might just be getting lucky. <laughs> so actually, every time I win something, that's kind of like my first. My first thought—it's just like I must have lucked out because there's a lot of talented people in these competitions. But <laughs> I don't know what happened. Um, so yeah, um, it's one of these things. And they we finally were like, "Okay, let's buy her a violin." And it's the same violin that I have right now that I've been playing on on all the tours and everything. Um, eventually, like in the like in 2014, I was part of a band for a little bit, and that's when I learned how to jam on the violin. So it was all classical up until that point and i was like oh okay i guess i've learned enough violin to know how to improvise so i was basically just learning how to improvise on the violin um by ear just by by ear ear. yeah yeah you're not
1: studying um sus chords or
0: not anymore after that so I, i guess learning violin for so many years like the like just classical violin yeah, with the exercises we did, like Wolfart Suzuki, all those different uh-huh. like methodologies, and um, after learning those for for several years, I was just playing by ear. So the last nine years, I would say, I've been playing by ear, um, piano right. too, same thing.
1: <laughs> right are you interested in music theory do you study theory yeah
0: so i was a music major for for two years i i like uh like any typical college lost college student i changed my major seven times so <laughs> um yeah i was in music i was a music major and i went through like the whole thing seven times so i have a ton of college cr- credits for like no reason and so <laughs> i have um yeah two years of credits in like music i did theater for a while I was a history major. I was a psych major. (laughs) It was just so many, so many of the prerequisites that I finished all, all, all in those years.
1: (laughs) You ever watch this guy on YouTube named Rick Beato?
0: No. Who's that?
1: He is, uh, you should check it out. Check him out on YouTube, Rick Beato, B E A T O. Uh huh. He has become, in the last six years, he's got a few million subscribers now. He has like Sting, um, like the biggest people in music now recognize him and he interviews them, but he talks a lot about music theory and improvisation. Um, Yes.
0: I have seen his videos before. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, He plays a bunch of instruments too. He does. Yeah.
1: He was my jazz teacher in college.
0: No way. Yeah.
1: So I studied music in Ithaca college and he was only five years older than me. Wow. And, uh, he only did it for three years. And then I hadn't heard about the guy until six years ago. And it was very exciting to to watch this happen because we always thought he was like a a star, like to Mm -hmm. us, it was just crazy. It was crazy. He was the same stuff he's talking about now. He was talking to us about and, um, and now to see all these. Really well respected. It's literally some of the best musicians in the world sit on his show. It's it's fascinating. Wow. It's uh, really cool to see all that stuff.
0: That's amazing. Are you from Ithaca?
1: Um. No, I'm from Long Island, New York, and I went I went up to Ithaca for the music program.
0: Wow, that's amazing. That's awesome.
1: Unlike my sons who applied to 16 schools, I think I applied to two, (laughs) (laughs) and I got into Ithaca, and I went. I didn't think. I don't even think I toured it. wow amazing (laughs) it's a different time yeah Uh, but uh i ended up graduating with a music and business degree
0: oh
1: and and, and, uh didn't really know i didn't have a plan going to college like music is an odd career uh uh, school choice unless you know you want to be a teacher i think i don't know
0: i think so too uh i that's kind of why i I went through the first two years of it and then i i kind of just i I was like okay what what's left of the upper div right and if i was going to go into like vocal performance i was really just going to be singing classical for the next two years exactly and i wasn't interested in that i'm still not interested i mean maybe and
1: i don't know if you were but i was surrounded and, and nothing wrong with it i i i it's amazing that these people choose to be music teachers right but they knew that's what they wanted to do yeah at least 80 percent uh of the people in the music school and i i knew i didn't want to do that yeah Um, so yeah i i don't regret doing the music thing at all um because once you have that and that background you, you find ways to use it in life or just even listen to it and appreciate music a different way so i love that now, what about the Backstreet Boys? You you ended up opening for the Backstreet Boys.
0: <laughs> boys to men. Um, oh, pff,
1: boys to men. It was boys.
0: <laughs> they're boys. <laughs> yeah. Boys think, to men. I think the bo- the boys to men are are definitely men now. So they're they're, <laughs> they're grown. <laughs> um, it was really fun. Uh, that was when uh, shortly after moving to Hawaii, um, and I. Oh man, that was a that was an interesting time because H- Hawaii is a very um, clicky state. <laughs> it's a, it's hard to break into the state because, um, I mean, they're 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 kind of just into you know their own world a little bit. And I think what happened was I I had to basically leverage that I have an auntie and in Hawaii and I I might have some Polynesian blood and I kind of got into the industry there that way and it kind of led to the the pinnacle which is opening for boys to men and and writing songs for all these different TV shows that all came out of Hawaii so uh, that at uh, that I'm just so grateful I mean I learned so much just performing in Hawaii and being an artist in Hawaii it's it's a it's a very different ball game over there it's way different from LA <laughs>
1: I could only imagine. And how long did you spend there?
0: I lived there for five years. Honestly. Yeah, five.
1: Wow, that's a long time. Yeah. And then, <laughs> how do you segue? You do all this stuff, and then you start. You you help found this company in essential oils. Yes. How does How does that happen?
0: <laughs> so I was um, I was always I, I, as you know I'm sure um, I, I'm always doing like fifty things at once and. I find that that's maybe my, my comfort zone. Um, ever since I was a kid, I've always done that. I've always had a lot of extracurriculars and as an adult, I still have a lot of extracurricular activities going on. Um, and one of them was being kind of a, a health a health freak. Like I, I just was really into health and that started in 2011 i would say 2000 maybe in 2009 2010 so uh 2010s early 2010s is when i started my health journey and uh, many years before that it was yoga so i was kind of on this like juice yoga vegan raw vegan kick for a while like it was a it was a good it was a good Decade. I would still say that I'm kind of in it, but not not really anymore. I'm just I'm just a flexitarian now. I eat whatever I want. <laughs> okay. But for a while, it was it was pretty intense, and um, uh, that's kind of how I got into essential oils um, in general. And then during the pandemic, I um, was representing and, and working with uh, DoTerra for uh, full time because I wasn't. I wasn't going to be able to perform during the print all my shows were canceled. (laughs) Everything was just canceled. And so I was like, Oh wow, this is kind of a perfect opportunity for me to explore a a huge part of my life that I haven't really told my audience because everything was very niche for a while. It was just all music, 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 bikini photos, music, music. (laughs) And so I was like, Hey, maybe I should start talking about this because it's really a huge part of my life. Um, so yeah, that's how it all started. And, and then, um, I built a, a huge team in doTERRA. So we're, we're clo- coming in, coming up to 5,000 people on my team now, and we're just doing essential oils and, and making stuff from scratch with co- not just with cooking, but with skincare and everything everything.
1: That's amazing. Now, is this part of the inspiration to go get a master's degree at Columbia?
0: So part of the inspiration to get a master's degree um, at Columbia um, is, (laughs) I should probably give a shout out to this too, but uh, it's, it's Columbia or Cornell, (laughs) but (laughs) we'll, we'll get into that later. But yeah, Columbia, um, I really wanted to explore getting Getting an official degree in business. Um, All of these years since I would say like 2004, I came from a family, although broken, uh, very business oriented. So I feel like it was almost like a caste system. Like my great, my great grandfathers were all businessmen, and then my my grandfather is a businessman. My my. Father is my brother is all of my siblings are we're all business people, um, but none of us have an MBA. So I was like, okay, you know what? Maybe it's time because my sister's a lawyer, my brother's a pharmacist. So we've got a JD, a doctor, and now I'm like, okay, you know what? Maybe it's I'm supposed to go get an MBA. And so honestly. I applied for all these schools and I did not think I was gonna get into any of them <laughs> because I was like, I don't know, would they accept someone like me? I don't know, I'll just try. It's a lot of essays. <laughs>
1: but, yeah, it sure is.
0: Yeah, that, but that's really the, the motivation here is I have so much experience in, in entrepreneurship and I've owned nine companies in nine different industries and I never really had formal training. So I'd really like to get that down.
1: That's so cool. And where does Cornell
0: come into it? So I actually got into Cornell first and um, I I was waiting on Columbia and I hope they never listen to this because <laughs> I don't think they want to hear this, but I got into Cornell first. I, I waited on Columbia and um, the day before I was supposed to go to Ithaca to visit Cornell for our orientation week, I got a call from Columbia, got into Columbia. So I had to a, had a, have some time to, to figure out if I wanted to go to Columbia or Cornell. So I I had to tell Cornell, hey, can I defer this? <laughs> so really I have until next year to decide mm. if I, I should basically go back to Cornell um, if this whole flying thing doesn't work because Columbia, I'm gonna have to fly twice a week to New York from LA and that's not a short flight. So,
1: wow that's how you're gonna do it you're gonna commute
0: that's the plan so i'm gonna go at least one semester and see how much i can handle and go from there
1: but how would how would you do cornell that's a harder commute
0: so cornell (laughs) uh, they have a special program where they actually have a um Boardroom. So I would get my degree, and and it's a dual degree program. So I would actually be getting my degree from Cornell and Queens, and then they have boardrooms all over the world. So I would be attending school on the weekends at a boardroom in LA at six in the morning because wow. it's New York time, right? So I'd be going to the boardroom here rather than flying to New York twice a week. I'd be going to a New York uh, or an LA boardroom.
1: That's fascinating. I got to hear the outcome of this. This is crazy. <laughs> so what do, what do you do with music now? Like <clears throat> as, as we wrap things up here, you, you get your, you're going to get a degree from somewhere. You're going to continue to start companies. Are, will you always make music? Will you always sing?
0: I think that's just part of it. Like I just picked up a two new instruments for fun. So I'm learning how to play the drums now and the Chinese harp and i'm just always gonna keep doing music stuff because i mean i i'm signed to um a uh sync agency so they basically place my music on tv shows and commercials and films and it it just never dies it just keeps on going
1: (laughs) and what about brett (laughs) oh you give up brett
0: you know what's crazy so because i was preparing for this podcast i was like you know what maybe i should bake something because i've been busy for for actually a few months and so i i took out my starter and it it died
1: no john
0: John Doe is dead i've fed him now do you
1: see mold on it
0: no i don't that's the thing i was like wait i don't think it's it's dead
1: you don't think it's dead i don't i could connect you with with a doctor and (laughs) starter. i'm serious i don't think it's dead it's very hard to kill starter
0: I, that's what I was thinking. I've I've left him in the fridge for a long time and he has never died. But now I'm I am i have already fed him like four times, and oh, he's okay. not coming back to How life. How much time
1: do you give between feedings?
0: In this case, a right long now, long time, long uh, kind of a long time, just because. Uh, so I was feeding it and then I I set the timer for four hours. I'd check on him and he's not he's not growing. Yeah. So I was it like, will. okay, let me wait. So then I would wait another few hours and then he was still not growing and then i was like waiting another few hours and you know you can tell when like even if it's surpassed it's it's dome growth you know it'll just like kind of sink down but you'll see it kind of like climb up right it never rose it just never it just so i was like okay maybe you're gonna have to keep
1: feeding it i'm gonna connect you with a sourdough doctor (laughs) a starter doctor and we're gonna get this thing back it's not dead unless you see mold it's not dead that's my opinion
0: me too that's what i was like wait i've already fed him like so many times and i'm feeding him whole grain whole wheat
1: we'll get it back
0: yeah yeah he just needs some
1: bacteria in there or something (laughs) all right olivia really great chatting (laughs) yes thanks for spending the time and uh i'll be in touch about your starter
0: sounds great
1: this episode of bread for the people was brought to you by side hustle bread long island's handcrafted artisanal bread company Side Hustle Bread is a family-run business that's bringing the neighborhood feel back to Long Island one loaf at a time. If you like what you're hearing, don't forget to head on over to iTunes and rate and review this episode. Reviewing and rating is the most effective way to help us grow our audience. This episode was produced by Milestone TV and Film. I'm your host, Jim Serpico. Blessed be the bread, everyone.